Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Uh, you get a choice. Do you want to chit or do you want to chat? Mm, today, I think I'm going to chat. Sounds good to me. Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host, who did not actually write any show notes for today's episode, Phil. <laughs> and I am your other host, Zenda. Feel like there wasn't really a, an opposite of that one. <laughs> uh, you could have been the person who didn't get us a topic. That would have been the... <laughs> oh, true. I didn't get us a topic, and I'm also not going to edit. So, hey. <laughs> hey. Finger guns. <laughs> All right. As as alluded to in the opening of the show, today is a chit chat episode. Um, for those not familiar, this is a informal episode where uh, we borrow from um, the uh, our good friends at the Gauntlet. We borrow the concept of what's giving you life, and we give it um, in two contexts: what's giving us life in gaming, and what is giving us life uh, outside of gaming. And to be clear, these are the kind of episodes that pop up when life has jumped up and prevented us for whatever reason, um, sometimes drastic, sometimes just because life, uh, from doing the normal preparation that we actually do for the show, as mm -hmm. in digging up a topic, thinking it through, discussing what it is, Phil writes an outline, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Um, so this will be a little bit less, um, you know, structured. Well, we do, we do focus on gaming part because we do want, um, to talk about some gaming stuff and try to tease out some like little lessons learned for the day. So, uh, it will not be devoid of gaming advice, uh, gaming advice, mm -hmm. just not our normal topic episode. So if you're new here Correct. and you're hearing this episode, like if this is the first episode you're listening to, this is not our normal format, go back an episode or go forward an episode next week and you'll hit our normal structure. But in the meantime, yes. a little chance to talk about what us what is giving us life in both gaming and outside of gaming. Senda. Yeah. What's giving you life in gaming right now? Yeah. Um, can I call out two things? One of them will be brief. Yeah, good. And then the other one I want to talk about a little bit more. One of them is I'm sitting here having gotten dressed halfway in costume because I'm finally going to get to play a LARP again, although admittedly not in person again yet. But um, I took great joy yesterday in flying through the combination of my closet and costume closet, trying to decide what costume my Star Trek character would be wearing to the holodeck today. Um, and I am very excited about that. And I spent probably way too much time thinking about it. Um, so there's that. I'm half pirate. My child told me I looked like Han Solo. <laughs> um, I, I love it. Um, I love that you have like, you know, costume stuff. Like I could basically, the only costume I could go as in a moment's notice is the bouncer at a nightclub. Like I mean, that, black t-shirt. That like, would work though, right? Yeah. Like I was helping Andy. I was like, well, you've got that black trench coat. What if you like did that in some kind of hat and you were like a spy or like some? So anyway, I think I'm going to lend her one of my berets. Uh, so yeah, so that is terribly entertaining for me. And I can't wait to put the rest of it on and have big fluffy sleeves and um, a sword and a sash and stuff. Um, and I need to find a pirate background um, for my holodeck program. But the one that I actually wanted to talk about, as in like we might actually get something useful out of the conversation, um, is I am really enjoying the uh, the one-on-one -on -one game that you and I are playing actually later today and have been playing for um, a little bit now. And we are coming up on the end of the first like little arc of the story. Our uh, first mission. Um, it's actually our first, first mission. Yeah. It really is mission. It's not even really an arc. Um, so we're coming up on the end of the first mission, which was definitely our like, let's see how this works. Um, test everything out mission. And, uh, and the end result is I am delighted to have a standard scheduled game time with you consistently. It is an absolute delight. I am thrilled to be playing a game one-on-one -on -one with you 
Um, that's also delightful. I will say, um, like, playing one-on-one games is a significantly more intimate experience and ends up being something that I really enjoy doing with um, people that I am close to in my life, right? Um, it just is something I really enjoy doing. Um, strangely, that wouldn't prevent me from going to a con and absolutely doing it, but, um, you know... Uh, especially an ongoing campaign like this with like the one-on-one commitment instead of like a one-shot sort of thing, um, I just think is a really great way to hang out with people that you care about and have a thing that you do. Um, so I'm I'm loving it. Um, we've hinted at this before and we'll probably get into it a little later. Um, we did walk into this game with a really defined setting and I think what we've encountered is that the setting maybe doesn't work brilliantly with Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which is not a dig on that game at all. I love that game. Yes, I, um, I, I agree. The game itself is uh, the game itself is great. The game itself um, very much knows uh, what it's doing, right? Yeah, I'm not sure that we aligned our very clear and already preconceived setting very well with um, the things that Thirsty Sword Lesbians does really well, which as we've talked about many times, Power by the Apocalypse is um, very much about genre emulation. So when what, what, what I think we've encountered is that the genre we're trying to emulate is actually not quite the same as the one that TSL emulates, right? So we're having our own little conversation, which I'm also actually enjoying. This is part of the reason this is giving, giving me life in gaming, um, which I'm also really enjoying, which is just about like... Um, we've actually done episodes about this, right? When the game isn't quite doing like producing the end result that you want, that maybe it's not the right one and that doesn't have anything to do. It's not the game's fault. Um, And so we're now having a conversation that we have previously given people advice about, um, which is, you know, where do we go from here? But I know we're definitely going to finish out this mission without switching anything around. It's not like it's broken. Um, yeah, a couple of things to keep in mind. One, um, so I echo all the same things, right? I, I'm totally loving having a regular game with you. I'm totally in love um, with just having um, an actual game that we're not play testing, right? Like, oh, it's so great. <laughs> like, like, we've spent so much time when we were like actively designing games that like all we would do is play test stuff, which is like playing, but it's not. But it's not. It's right? like playing it's like playing with homework. Yes. It's, yeah. Right? Like yeah. it has additional responsibilities and so is recording, right? Yes, exactly. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's not recorded. It's not play test material. We're not fixing that kind of stuff. Um, all of that stuff. I, um, I really liked that we kicked it off with TSL. I, I very much thought it was the right fit because um, we knew we wanted something that had um, a little sexiness to it because um, the way we designed the original setting and um, it had swords, right? Because that's thirsty yeah. sword lesbians, right? Like we, like we wanted the swashbuckling queer and TSL does that so well (laughs) and and i think where it hasn't lined up and again not tsl's fault because tsl does tsl perfectly is that um there's actually more of an espionage component in our game than um than tsl we needed right tsl would solve more of these problems with a sword and we haven't Right, that's and, not really the the and the end feel of the game that I think we were aiming at because of the setting. Exactly. So yeah, uh, which is totally fine. Um, and we just you know what we said was we'd play out this first mission, see if TSL was a good fit, and see if we enjoyed the like are we enjoying the setting and all that stuff. And so I, I am like I love the setting. I'm enjoying yeah. the solo game. I'm not even upset with TSL. I'm not upset. With I it. just no. but what I've noticed is that there are like four or five moves that I want to make for right. the game. We keep being like, well, we need a move that does this. Well, yeah. we need a move that does it, which is getting to the point where we're customizing. We're going to drift beyond TSL. Right. Yeah. So we've been talking <laughs> about, too much. we've been talking yeah. about some other ways to, um, to play the game. And we originally like, we look, we originally developed the game in fate. Um, yeah. We tried it in TSL. It's, um, it's fine. It's fine for me. Uh, just to try another system. Yeah. Because um, it's not the first time I've done it. Hydra Hackers was also a fate game. Yep. And then it turned into PBTA. Yeah. Yeah. And it's firmly a PBTA game. Although one would argue that if I was feeling um, energetic, 
someday in the future, it probably mm-hmm. should be a Forged in the Dark game. Oh, boy. Um, you're not wrong. Correct. Right? Like, correct. <laughs> Shoot. Like, it, well, and it's okay. Like, I, wrote the, I wrote the ash can in PBTA, and I may... I, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying yes or no to anything, but I may not finish the PBTA version of it, and I may instead uh, explore a Forged in the Dark version of it because I do actually think it is probably a really good Forged in the Dark game. Yeah, the way that it the, the uh-huh. way that the structure and uh-huh. framework of of like doing jobs and, and stuff works, the, and boy, the, like, it would really like where you would add turf or stuff to your ship yeah. depending on the game. You would add stuff to your neighborhood. To your neighborhood. Like, I'm. It's okay. Uh oh. I know. It's okay. <laughs> uh oh. Write it again. <laughs> I'll just write another version write it again, of the game. Sam. Like, write it again. It's it's fine. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I'm feeling like that with Thirsty Swords. Les- or I'm feeling like that with Long Live the Queen. Which, by the way, um, right now is just a homebrew. Um, it can't be. We can't use that name, Long Live the Queen, we can't if it's going to be anything else, right? Like, <laughs> Right. We really can't because, um, and this is really funny because I watched it happen in the Slack room the other day, but it's like something that you and I have been doing for years, right? Even you and I constantly accidentally say, for the Queen instead of Long Live the Queen, because uh, Alex Roberts' game for the queen is so darn good that those that phrase is like implanted in the front of my brain and i'm like oh it's something to do with queens it must be for the queen (laughs) yeah i i do think that um when we shift the game we'll probably rename the campaign probably Um, have to rename it (laughs) i think it's fine we'll just do it to avoid confusion but yeah um, yeah um i i really like um I really like, and again, it'll just, it'll still be confusing. So it's not, it wouldn't be perfect for commercial purposes, but I love the tagline that we've, I've like, we've been using in places, which is um, um, for queen, for queen, for France, for the timeline, right? Like, yeah. Um, but well, I mean, I think the time that, that catchphrase would just stick, right? Yeah. You just, but either case, um, but either case, two things on this right i know this is your thing that's giving you life but obviously it's something that well it's sort of shared yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's Um, fine we can share i shared another one that was just for me which is that i'm sitting here in a vest yes and pirate pants (laughs) and i'm gonna go put on a foofy sleeved like medieval shirt uh when we're done so (laughs) so yeah drift I, i mean i think drifting the game over to another system is probably a thing that um we're we're gonna look at uh, we're going to finish up the first mission in TSL because um, I'm perfectly like it'll be perfectly fine to finish this right. up it, in TSL. Good it, goodness, it works, right? It, it works. It works. It works well enough. Um, yeah. And then um, we will probably entertain um, the thing that's giving me life. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which tell us about that. Yeah. Then. Which is um, which is Cortex Prime. Yeah. Um, I have been very um, curious about this game for a while um, for a lot of reasons, right? It, it has um, a lot of shared genetic material with fate. Um, there has been some overlap in that um, Cam um, worked Banks, with, right? yeah, Cam Banks worked with Rob Donahue and Fred Hicks um, when doing the Marvel um, Heroic game, which is one of the Cortex games. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, when you read it, you're like, oh, that's like a fate point. That's like an aspect. That's right, like, some, that's great advantage, DNA. right? Like, yeah, cool. which, which to me is not a negative at all, right? Because those no. are things I love in fate. Right, um, and are very comfortable running and playing yes. with and like very like on top of like, this is how it works. Yeah. Yeah, but I have to say that I like the dice pool mechanic of Cortex better than I like Fate dice. And while I have a box of Fate dice, yes, um, I find the dice mechanic a little more interesting, um, and a little less like I need to rack up five hundred advantages to make this thing go. Whereas, yes, I can make some advantages, and that will definitely help me. But I also am probably capable of making this roll to some extent. Right. Possibly yeah, use a plot point to make to shore that up. But I am pretty capable too. 
um, I think it's interesting. And I think that the dice thing adds an element of um, some mechanics and some um, decision making. Yeah. Which I think will be interesting. Anyway, um, yeah. I, anyway, the, the game's really cool um, in terms of like the rule book's really um, useful. It is very much a toolkit, like with a core set of mechanics and then a whole mess of options that depending on the game that you want to uh, play you can kind of pick and choose your options. Like you're not required to use any of them. You could play the most core of the game, which is a relatively simple little, like little game. But the idea of the options are that you want your game to do certain things. So therefore I'm going to add this on. Like for instance, um, in the purest version of cortex prime, if you fail a, um, contest between somebody else you are taken out of the scene okay okay and that can happen in a roll or two right you're just yeah. taken out yeah yeah um, but there is an option there's like several options for how to deal with stress and damage yeah um, and you can just pick and you could be like cool i don't want people just to be taken out i think i would like stress tracks in my game yeah cool so or i want life a points. stress track module that i'm just gonna Yep. plug in over you just here. Did, yeah. yep. and, and the rules are all written taking into account all the modules that are in the book so it'll tell mm. you like oh if you're doing this type of mod um do this piece differently yeah so you know we could be like oh uh, we definitely want stress tracks uh do we want one stress track do we want a uh, stress track for physical a stress track for social like those kinds of things yeah you just get to decide those yeah um and you have like a little, like you have a little, and then the character part is wild in that um, characters need a couple of building blocks and there's like a whole chapter of building blocks. Like you only need like three of these, but you just pick the ones that pick, matter. Pick the ones that matter to the game, the genre and yeah. like the story that you want to tell. Yeah. I mean, it seems really cool. Like um, they give you some default lists. They're like, oh, you could just use this list or make up like your own skill list yeah um that kind of i am so i'm really fascinated i am pretty fascinated by the concept of potentially engaging this partially because um from my perspective it's a lot easier with you've already read the book um so the the heavy lifting in terms of figuring all this out and being aware of what modules there are and all that kind of stuff um is kind of done (laughs) Um, or at least begun, right? Yeah. And, uh, and it's really, it, I don't know. I didn't used to have any interest in this system because I had one very poorly run encounter with it at a convention um, that wasn't a great experience. Um, I never really thought it was the game's fault, but I'd never really, you know, felt the urge to, to attempt to re-engage, if that makes sense. No, I think it's fine. I think... Um I think you're going to find this interesting because what, what's interesting yeah. about it is, is that it's fiddly to set up. Yes. But, but like only once... as fiddly as you want it to be when you're actually playing. Exactly. Yeah. Like I you, love you, that. You need to go through the, you need to go through the effort and say, I want this. I don't want that. I want this. I don't want that. And yeah. then once you have that, that's like your set of rules. Yeah. And then like you play, but you get to pick everything from like, what are the character, um, stats for this game you get to pick like how do characters advance in this game right they give you a couple different advancement options that are fun um all of those things like you get to kind of like you get to you just pick and choose and string them together and then wrap in your setting with it yeah sounds great yeah so anyway the thing that's the thing that's giving me life is um it's not just the game i'm running um I'm running a uh, another campaign of this for one of my Sunday groups. Um, in this case, this one's going to be um, uh, Chris, Bob, and Jerry, uh, and it's um, we're calling it Aux. Um, to be um, clear, that's A U X. Yes, um, and it's based on the name of the starship um, Auxilium, which yeah. is um, this um, old ship that was like a relic that was like found restarted. Um, it's a sci-fi game. The ship gets restarted um, on this planet and um, it realizes its primary goal is to uh, provide aid and care for the planets that are in its watch. 
Um, and in order to do that, it needs some people to help um, because the ship can't actually do anything. It's like missing a whole bunch of functionality and it's missing a whole bunch of memories, um, which is also part of this game um, is kind of unearthing what happened um, previously. Like, where did this ship come from? But it finds these super geniuses and is like, I need you to stop what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I need you to come save the Leave galaxy. And come with me. Yeah. And so um, the idea is that these super geniuses then travel from place to place, uh, helping out and like averting disasters and, and things like that. And so um, I have our first adventure. It's taken us a number of sessions. Um, and because we play every two weeks, this took a while. It took us a number of sessions to get the... Um, to make up a setting from scratch, to make up a cortex rules set, and then to make characters. So we are actually having our first session um, on Sunday, and I'm going with this. I, I just finished writing the session notes, and I'm actually really pleased because um, one of the things I find when I first learn a new game is like how to figure out how to tell a story in this game. Yeah, And for this game, because um, we have actually no fighting skill in the game, like fighting is not a, uh, like punching a thing is not how you solve any problem in this game. Um, I was like, oh, how do I make these impending disasters interesting and things like that? And then it turns out that Cortex had a whole bunch of rules about it. Um, It has rules for... Um, timed actions. It has rules for things. Uh, we used an option called crisis pools that we pulled in, like all this stuff. And I was like, oh, this is going to actually work out really well. Like, I think this adventure is like, I, I looked at the adventure. I'm like, I think this adventure is actually pretty playable. Like, like I, I'm, I'm not nervous about running this adventure. Like, I think I even understand what it's going to do. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. it'll be really exciting. Well, we'll have to... Um, wait for your report next week. I will give a report, how it goes. A, a brief yeah. report next week. But anyway, it's yeah. giving me life right now. I'm having a lot of fun putting it together as well as like putting all my dice together for it, digging through my game stuff to find, um, suitable, um, uh, tokens for plot points and yep. like all of those things. So, um, very, like very cool. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, what's giving me life in gaming is, um, learning Cortex, learning Cortex prime and getting ready to run Cortex prime. Yeah. Cool. It's really exciting. I am very excited to hear how it goes. Yeah. Because it's well, been a thing for a bit. It'll be a thing. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, moving <laughs> moving over to our uh, moving over to our other topic. Senda, yeah. what's given you life outside of gaming? So this is going to sound, uh, this requires a little bit of context, I feel. Um, the thing that I'm going to say is um, I have a library card again. Um. The context is that um, I have always been someone who really likes to read. And um, when I have the time available to me, I tend to read a lot uh, and pretty quickly, right? Um, I'm definitely, I, you know how like growing up, there's like horse girls and there's like the popular girls. <laughs> I was book girl. Oh, um, I'm shocked. Like literally, literally so, shocked that the, <laughs> were you Belle from the beginning oh, of Beauty and the Beast? Boy, I when I tell you that I um I um whatchamacallum identified very strongly with her of all of the Disney princesses, um that's why <laughs> they managed to make a brown haired, brown eyed princess who loved to read who is like most excited about the fact that there's a giant library. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, the context involved here is that um, there's been, you know, a lot of ups and downs in my life um, over the last like 15 years. Um, reading is something that has always mattered to me a lot, but it is unfortunately something that um, for a long period of time, uh, just it wasn't part of me that was safe to hang on to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I've been reclaiming over about the last five years. Um, and for some reason, like, and it's been a little patchy um, and has uh, kind of 
come and gone because of the pandemic and like, you know, sometimes you have the energy to engage in new media and sometimes you just don't. Um, and I started reengaging, but I was mostly reengaging digitally, um, which is not a problem for me. I love ebooks. Obviously, I used to work in publishing, distributing ebooks. Um, but what I did yesterday is that I went back to the library, which they have completely changed the layout of since the last time I was there, because it's been a long time. I used to take my kiddo when he was little um, for story time and stuff, but um, they've completely rebuilt it. Um, I couldn't find my old library card, and I was like, I'm going to start reengaging in the library, because I am seem to be like actually back on the train, like fully committed <laughs> um it's the weekend let's read a whole book right like that's happening again and it's happening with consistency to the point where um i don't monetarily want to support that habit uh in the long term and, and so have like, to store all of it right like well do you see the stack of books that's behind my head right here yes so those are the ones from the last like three weeks yeah um yeah and i need to rearrange my bookshelves now because there's like six more books that i have to um you know, rearranged to fit alphabetically on the shelves where they belong, because what kind of monster would I be if I did not organize my books alphabetically by author's last name? Like, how would I find anything? I don't know. I have to, obviously. Anyway, so anyway, um, I went to the library yesterday and was like, I can't find my library card. Can I get a replacement? And they were like, yeah, no problem. And then they were like, how long is it? Then they tried to find me in the system and said, how long has it been? Has it been more than three years? And I was like, yes. And I was all like ashamed. And they were like, I'm sure they well, were just happy to have you back. They didn't, they didn't care at all, but I was literally embarrassed, right? Like, because for me, this is something like as a kid, I would walk to the sci-fi fantasy section of the library and be like, yes, I've read these shelves and this shelf and this one over here. And I decided I didn't like this author. So I didn't read this shelf, right? Like, so um, for me, different experience to be like, yeah, it was so long since I used my library card that your system wiped me out, right? Like, embarrassing <laughs> what am i supposed to do with my book girl identity at that point anyway so i have a new library card and i came home with only five books because i was limiting myself i used to be limited by in uh in high school and middle school i was limited by how many books i could fit on my bike at the time right which was approximately five hardcovers um or seven paperbacks <laughs> um so I came home with five books. I came home with um, the Star Trek Q Continuum uh, comic, which was great. I mean, it's a comic book, so it doesn't take very long to read. So I read that one yesterday. And then I read a little romance novella yesterday. That was also good. It was about the Fae. Uh, that was cool. Um, nice. Big Fae thing. I seem to be on a Fae kick, probably because of Monster Hearts. I actually forgot by the time I got home that it was about the Fae, and then I opened the first page and was like, oh, okay, cool. Good job, Passenda. Love it. Um, so I have three more books to read um, that are, like, actually full length, but I finished two books yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. You were off yesterday from work. That's Oh, I should, yeah, I should say, um, I am uh, I'm lucky enough that um, the current company that I work for, who is great, they um are they were experimenting blah, 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 blah. they were experimenting last year um with flex days um and they have uh fully implemented them this year in that um we're working 980s so you do um if you want to engage it right it is optional you don't have to but it's great um so you work 9 hours monday through thursday and then 8 hours on friday the first week and then you work 9 hours monday through thursday and then you get the next friday off or you can rearrange with your boss if you need to, right? Yeah, but like, that's, cool. that's that's the standard kind of way that it goes. Um, and in general, it means that I have every other Friday off as long as I have um, worked out my hours correctly. Uh, and it's great. <laughs> so yesterday I went to the library um, and I spent like an hour at the library. Yeah, it's nice. Lovely. I'm glad that's given you life. and uh, So much I life. How, I know how much you love reading. So nice that you have... Uh, What's it called? Nice that you're re-engaging. It is nice that I'm re-engaging. It also, unfortunately, has brought to my attention that some, uh, like, I don't know, it's weird. Like, some of the things that I want to read specifically, like, 
I'm going to have, I am going to have to go buy them. And Barnes and Noble really doesn't carry much that's very old anymore at all. Um, and frankly, my local, like down the street from me library does not either. Um, unless they're classics or really popular or something, they don't tend to keep a lot of things that are older on the shelf. So I am realizing I am still going to have to probably go online and buy um, a number of things that I know I want to read that I've always intended to go back and, and sort of fill in some gaps. Um, specifically, a gentleman named Stephen Brest, who writes these fantastic books about Vlad Taltos, who is like every rogue I ever played in every first D&D game. Um, and I love him. And uh, I own a bunch of the series and I've read a bunch of it but there's probably about a third of the books that I haven't actually ever read yet and what's great about them is they sort of don't really matter you can read them in whatever order you want they weren't released chronologically so whatever right like it doesn't really matter um but they're kind of great and the character evolution through them is great because you know assassin guy who's very true neutral kind of evolves into chaotic good anyway this is me diving off down a different path but um but so you know with with this comes an awareness that i will still probably be purchasing some books but that i will be able to make my book purchases um i don't know carefully with awareness something so i don't Deliberate. know i have deliberately right i will be able to i did notice that they they have the new thrawn trilogy at the library so i have the first one of those there you go because um, i have not read the thrawn ascendancy books yet and they just got the last one and i was like wait i need to read the first one <laughs> back up back up um anyway that's a lot about books from me boy oh boy can i say one more thing that gave me a huge jolt of life about books which is that uh, the other day you sent me over um, the cover reveal and interview for um, Tamsin Murr's next book, the oh. the third book in the in the Locked Tomb trilogy, which of course starts with Gideon the Ninth, and then Harrow the Ninth, and the next book is Nona the Ninth, and they just shared the cover and uh, and also shared an interview um, with Tamsin, and oh my god, I'm so excited! Can I safely say link in the show notes? Uh, yeah, sure. I can try to remember, put a link in the show notes. Um, uh, suffice it to say that like this book just sounds like everything that I want from the world. Um, yeah, I've definitely learned from going through the books at the library, deciding what to read. I really used to just pick up everything on the sci-fi and fantasy shelf. I've been a lot more pickier as I pick up things because when I was buying books, um, even, uh, it's nice to have authors that I can identify still, which I still know a lot of people who are writing. Um, it's nice to have TikTok informing me of which books are really good that I should be reading because it's been pretty accurate so far. Um, and then the other thing that I know gets me to pick up books is um, sci-fi and fantasy that is like queer and feminist. And um, it's interesting how identifying that on the bookshelf is not always easy when it's not called out. So like one of the books that I read recently was Persephone Station, which is like a super, super queer, like feminist sci-fi. Like it's kind of like if Anne McCaffrey was writing um, some of her more like later ser books, but like they're queer instead. Sure, sure. <laughs> Um, it's that kind of story where it's like a kind of a sci-fi um, save a species also a space station heist sort of situation but um, you know but it just feels better to be represented in the books that I read that's a thing that's so a thing that's a thing that I care about a lot now so Anyway, that's a lot about books from me. And if anybody wants to talk about books, <laughs> you just hit me up on whatever social media or Slack or whatever, wherever you are. Um, I feel like I missed like 10 years of good reading and I need to catch up and I'm going to do it. <laughs> anyway, Phil, oh, yes. what is giving you life outside of gaming right now? Uh, I'm going to, you know, it's cooking. It's cooking. Mm -hmm. I've been on a roll um, cooking the last couple of weeks um, and everything I've been making has just kind of been, um, has been good. 
um, from really simple things. Uh, like uh, I just on a whim picked up the Trader Joe's Kung Pao chicken. Uh, yeah. Turned out to be amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, no serious cooking. That's like just um, fancy heating, right? Yeah. Like, but heating it in a way that makes it taste the best. But delicious, delicious, nevertheless. Sure. Um, I made your recipe for popovers. Yeah, um, which are also actually pretty easy, right? They were not difficult. They're not they hard. were delicious, so right? Good. Like just <laughs> delicious. Um, what else? Oh, I made um, lemon pepper chicken wings the other night, mm-hmm. um, and that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made that last week, I think, right? Lemon pepper chicken wings and air fried smashed Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. um, which were also delicious. Um, and I am not ashamed to say I ate a bag of Brussels sprouts. No, um, I mean, Brussels sprouts are delicious. Delicious. <laughs> um, tonight, I'm making a dish. I've actually made a, a bunch of times this um, chicken and creamy paprika sauce, which is delicious. Um, it's a little more involved to make. It's not even hard to make. It just has a bunch of steps that have very little time in between them. So there's a real need for um, some mise en place to like just so that you can grab and like keep adding every ingredient goes in two minutes after the next ingredient so it's very much a like time to start the sauce like throw this in and then like two minutes later put this in then put this it's not a real for me it's not a thing where i'm where i like to measure like it's a thing where i like to have everything ready in little dishes and just keep dumping them in as i go um but it comes out so good right like i just i love it it really um, does. Yes, I've had oh, it. Oh, I've made, made it this for, me. for you. That's yes. the last time I made it. I made it for yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm really Delicious. pleased with it. Yeah, it's a um, good it's a good meal. And um I I also like the current food that I'm cooking that I'm absolutely in love with was this um stupid TikTok I saw. Not so stupid because I really like the recipe. But it was like just like a really cooking. simple it was a really simple thing that was like, "Oh, if you're making ramen, um just throw a few of those frozen pot stickers into the ramen um, before you like when the when the everything boils, but before you put the noodles in, mm-hmm. like cook it for four minutes and then put the noodles in, cook it for four more minutes, like or whatever your noodles take, and then just pour it out as like a big dumpling ramen soup thing. And I think if I had just grabbed my normal bag of dumplings, I would have been like, oh yeah, that's this is pretty good, but. They were, they out were out the day I yeah. was out at, at when I was at Trader Joe's and I bought the Thai shrimp dumplings because mm-hmm. I was like, sure, what the hell? These sound great. Oh, boy. That shin ramen with the Thai dumplings and some veggies and a little sesame oil. Like, mm, it is. <laughs> it is easily my favorite meal I'm cooking right now. And it's honestly like it's dirt simple and it's actually really cheap. Like it's just six of these dumplings, a shin ramen and a few other ingredients, but it comes out so good and it's warm and everything else. Anyway, last thing I'll say about this is like I've been on a roll. Um, I do every Saturday try to um, uh, jump like I try to I I don't even say try every Saturday. I make myself cook something um, new, different or complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, um, just one, so I don't fall in a rut Two to try different things and three to actually like enjoy cooking, like actually enjoy making stuff. Um, so I have some things lined up. I, I shared some recipes with you with these one, um, oh, one pan, uh, gnocchi. Sure. But those sound like weeknight dinners in my house. Oh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure after I make it on a Saturday uh-huh. night that I'll just like relic, like I'll just be like, yeah. Oh, you can totally like, just be a weeknight thing. Take a roasting pan pop it in the oven with some veggies and whatever flavory stuff and some gnocchi on it and then like pull it out and serve like yeah yes please <laughs> yeah that's probably gonna wind up being a wednesday for me but i'll probably do it on a saturday for starters um i just stumbled on like another um recipe and i can't for the life of me remember what it was that really caught my eye and then the one that i really want to make and i have lined up for a um weekend coming up is um I really want to make French onion soup. Like I want to do the whole thing. French onion soup Mm -hmm. with the crock and the, you know, the melted cheese and all like, and I, and I know because I have a French onion, um, grilled cheese recipe that I know it's not complicated to make French onions. Um, so I imagine the soup's not going to be very complicated either, but I'm really looking forward to it. Like it's been cold out and the idea of making, Oh, I could go get a bread bowl. 
You could go get a bread bowl. Oh, anyway, I have many <laughs> thoughts now. Um, um, yeah, no, it's really interesting because the thing that I started making, because it keeps being cold and I was like getting... I go through phases because I have a list of things that require me no thought to cook at all, right? And it's about a two to three week rotation of things and something come up more often some than others. And sometimes things fall off my list and then they come back when I'm bored or whatever. Um, and for some reason... Um, like last winter, it was really homemade ramen that was just doing it for me. And don't get me wrong, homemade ramen is still really delicious, but it's not on my every week list right now. And so I was like, Meh. but it kept being cold last week. So I was like, I'm just going to make chicken pot pies. And I did. And they were so good. To be clear, I have a crust recipe that is reasonably straightforward like it takes some time to do but it's not hard to do and the end result of this crust recipe is this crust it's it comes out honestly somewhere between a pastry dough and a pie crust and that it is flaky but like sometimes really just laminated like a pastry um dough it is it's beautiful it's beautiful crust it has so much butter in it <laughs> um but so I did, I made them with that, um, like, and, and the last time I did them, they were chicken, carrots, potatoes, parsnips, and peas, and then with, um, with chicken stock and a good glunk of wine, probably like half a cup a at glunk. least. I mean, I don't, th this is, I, I definitely appreciate and, um, and totally understand the joy of the mise en place that you do in the kitchen, um, the 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 joy of having everything prepared and just dumping it in. That is not my cooking style because I am frequently not following a recipe and the chicken pot pies were no exception to this. Um, so I just like, I cooked up all the veggies in the chicken, browned them in the pan, sort of deglazed the pan with wine over them once they were mostly heated through like and done. And then I like, you know, reduced the wine and added a bunch of chicken stock and like a little bit of cornstarch to thicken it up a little bit and then I put them in things and put the crust on top and it was really good and I think I'm going to do it again. Well, our cooking so our cooking our cooking style and our GMing styles uh parallel each other. Very much so. Yeah, I mean and this and hilariously, it's not like I can't follow a recipe and it's not like I do, but I frequently do with recipes exactly what I do with games, right? Which is oh, I kind of got the idea of this. I yes. don't really need to pay super close attention from this point forward. And it's not like right? I have to be on plus every meal I make. Um, no. I can certainly grab some stuff out of the, you know, refrigerator and, and whip something up. Um, but. But. Um, but I'm more relaxed when all my stuff is laid out and my yes. recipe is picked out. And the other day when I made the lemon pepper wings, like I had the um, the Brussels sprouts going and. um I needed to have the wings done and I forget there was like one more thing in there. No, no, there was just those two things, but the timing on it was like fairly intricate. And so I actually did like sit down and prep a timeline, right? Like yeah. for the whole day. And I was like, Oh, like, okay, cool. Like, like now get up and put this in the oven. Now get up and throw this in the, you know, like parboil the, um, parboil the Brussels sprouts and now come back and, you know, like now sit down for a half hour because there's nothing to do. Now get up. Anyway, I wrote that whole thing out and it like totally worked, right? Like it was, um, like it totally came out, uh, fine. So I, you know, I like that because what I don't like is I don't want to mess up a new recipe because I'm like messing up the, um, like getting the ingredients together when I can just do all that up front, not think about it and just move through. Like I like prep. Right. So yeah, I know. Anyway, anyway, um, we're at the time where we should start transitioning to the end of the show. And, um, in order to do that, um, you need to tell me about another show on the misdirected Mark network, which surprisingly is the name, the name of the show that you're going to talk about. Yeah. 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 Uh, how confusing of us. Sure, on the Misdirected Mark podcast, uh, this guy named Phil, I don't know if you know him, um, maybe, uh, Bob and Jerry go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. 
It's true. It's true. It's we very do that. True. You do do that. Yeah, cool. Hey, send it. Where do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can find us on the TikTok if you are Tiki Talk. <laughs> Sneaky's not sneaky snacky of the Tiki Talkies. Um, or you can just drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? You should absolutely leave us a topic, something you'd like us to talk about, a topic, a question, uh, just something you'd like to hear us um, muse about, whatever. Um, if it's on your mind, let us share our thoughts about it with you. Um, ultimately, our goal is always to help you run uh, better games. Um and to make, not only when we say better, but we also want your games to be more fun. Yeah. And by that, I mean, um, even if you're having fun, there are probably parts of your game, whether it's prep, whether it's something like managing the table, whatever, where you're like, uh, like this isn't my favorite part of GMing. That's where we come in. Mm-hmm. We're going to help give you some advice about that. We're going to talk about some of the challenges with it. We're going to talk about some of the underlying game theory behind it. And then we're going to try to make it easier for you. Yeah. Um, with the ultimate goal that if those things are easier, your overall enjoyment of running games goes up. And if your overall enjoyment of games goes up, you're going to want to run more games. And that is how this hobby stays alive. It's true. So this hobby does not stay alive by making more games. We could have five games and just keep playing them forever. It is GMs that... Um, putting in that extra work to facilitate, create ideas, all that stuff. That is like, that's the pulse of our game. Not to discount you players. I love you guys too, but um, there are a lot of you. (laughs) There's more people who are willing to play who are intimidated by GMing than there are GMs. And we're here to demystify that. Exactly. We're here to like... like if you if you can play a game, I honestly think you can run a game yes, because I feel like I, I am the prime example of this, right? Like I, you've done both. I yes. was like committed player for the longest time because I had such disastrous first attempts at running games. And now I'm like, yeah, no, I run games all the time. It's fine. Whatever. I did not have a choice in the 1980s yes. when there were so few people. There was not a choice on whether or not I was going to be you either a game run master. or you don't game. Yes. Yes. So um, anyway. That's our point, right? We're trying, we're out here um, trying to make life, um, we're trying to make this more fun for you so that you'll keep doing it. And if you want to try it, we want to make things fun for you too. Yes. Cool. If you like what we do here elsewhere in the Mr. Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to our Bamboo Lounge, our after show, and our cool and very awesome Slack room uh, for life, which includes our Friday luncheons. Like you can just jump on the Zoom with us Mm-hmm. and uh, have lunch and yeah. kind of, you know, meet yeah. a bunch of us. Mm-hmm. Um, a number of show hosts show up on it. A um, number of regular listeners and regular people from the Slack room are in it. Um, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it immensely. It, um, we started it during the pandemic and uh, it's still going strong every Friday. Yep. Um, so it's a thing you're welcome to come do with us if you're part of our Slack community. Cool. If you've... Um, if you're already supporting the Patreon campaign, thank you very much. If you're unable to support it, don't worry. No problems. We thank you very much. There's a thing you can do still. doesn't cost a dime. Just a little bit of your time um, that helps the show immensely. Send a what is that thing? Well, tell your friends or tell Twitter or tell TikTok. Tell wherever you tell people about things that there's a cool show, especially when people say, oh, man, I'm looking for a cool show about RPGs. If you feel so inclined, you can say, gosh, Pandas Talking Games is a great show. And then we will much appreciate it because that is a way that we really do actually um, get new listeners. And we love our listeners and we would like there to be more of you. It's just Mm -hmm. a delight. Um, Failing that, or in addition to that, because I also love this too, it gives me warm, fuzzy feelings in my tummy because I have a track record forever. And sometimes when I'm feeling sad, I just go look at them. Um, You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And those reviews do actually help the algorithm do a wiggly thing and hopefully put us closer to the top of the RPG list, um, which also sometimes will encourage people to listen to us. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so very much to everybody who's already had, um, already left reviews or already told people, you know, um, it's very sweet of you. And uh, I really appreciate it. It kind of makes my day every time I see it, wherever it is, if it's Apple Podcasts or somebody on Twitter being like, I love this show. And then it gives me warm, fuzzy feelings in my panda (laughs) tummy. (laughs) Very well. Hey, Senda, what are you going to do? to that crate of Kronos weapons that are shipping 
um, tomorrow morning. Blow it up. <laughs> no, I don't know what I'm going to do. Steal it. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Ta-da! Here we are. Woo! Just showed up to record. Mm. Are you drinking one of those um, fancy iced teas? I mean... What's your definition of... Well, I don't know. Like, terrible tea? Like, which one is that? That's the one with the tea on it, right? is honest tea. Honest tea. I like honest tea. Um, This is my favorite one, which is the peach oolong. But I am also a fan of the mango white tea, which you can buy in giant jugs and is less expensive, so I drink more of that. So this is like a treat because I have to buy it in the single serving sizes. Do you... um do you know you don't know this because I, I well I don't know because our my youngest and your son are the same age. Um, Correct. Do you know that um, that Hey There Delilah song? Yeah. Have you ever heard the Sesame Street one? Oh no, I haven't. The Sesame Street letter T song that's done to that that's done to that song. Amazing! Oh no. goodness! All right, at the after after we're done recording, <laughs> after all of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little bit of it for you. It is sure. It is sheer um, sheer genius. Like it's it just as soon as I saw the T on your iced tea, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm the letter T. <laughs> I'm the letter. Uh, that's it. That's, anyway, we should start the show. You ready? Yes, we should. We have we have wandered. Bloop. Do 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 do